Back to throw Garoppolo under some pressure. He is brought down by Quinn and Williams. That is great sideline work by Davidson Crowder. That's an incredible interception by Marcus Manning. After a heartbreaking defeat, the Jets try to regroup as they head out west to take on old friend Jamal Adams and the Seattle Seahawks. What's going on, everybody? This is the numbers game. Dan Grasso, pleased to be joined, as always, by my partner in crime from the NFL Network, Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia, how are we doing? Pretty good. I mean, I'm not as festive as you are, but, you know, I'm, I'm still doing pretty well. <laughs> Tis the season. Tis the season. Got to get in the spirit. You know, it's only one time a year. So, hey, figures we make it work. Milk it as much as possible here. As far as the football team is concerned, though, clearly still reeling after a very, very difficult, as tough of a loss as you're ever going to experience, 31-28 to 28 on Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs, 46-yard touchdown strike with just five seconds left. Dropping the green and white to 0-12. Doesn't get much tougher than that, Cynthia. No, it certainly doesn't, and especially when it nets out and some changes in the coaching staff and a lot of changes kind of overall. But not a not a, a good afternoon if you're a Jets fan. Yeah, certainly. And as you mentioned, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, was relieved of his duties the next day. So Frank Bush now serves the role as the interim defensive coordinator for the rest of the season. But look, when you lose a game that difficult, that means there were some good in that game. And clearly that's what we're going to try to accentuate here. Jets found themselves down 24 to 13 after three quarters. Then the offense reels off 15 consecutive points scored on the opening drive for their sixth consecutive game. Cynthia, that's now the longest current active streak in the National Football League. Yeah, no, that's a great, that means the planning ahead of time. The coaching staff is able to create the right opportunities, the right sort of situations for the team to excel, and they're paying off. So that's a great streak. Sam Darnold had himself a pretty good afternoon, I think, overall. Accounted for three touchdowns, two through the air, one through his legs. Finished the game with his highest passer rating of the season at 97.4. Yeah, I saw a lot of great things in the passing concepts, executing them, looking for multiple reads. You saw a lot of great things from, obviously, Jamison Crowder. But it was really nice to see not just kind of a, a one-funnel situation, even though Jamison Crowder's stat line might make it seem that way. There was a lot of looks around the entire field. So it was a really promising day overall, especially in the passing game and on the ground, too. Uh, it's funny. Look at that. The segue. We'll get to Jamison in just a little bit here. But you mentioned that ground game and how impressive was that? By far their most successful game of the season when it came to running the football. Takes a lot of pressure off of the quarterback, opens up the play action game. And when you think about what this team accomplished on the ground, maybe some unusual suspects, but still overall very successful. Doesn't matter who, but Ty Johnson with his 104 rushing yards. By the way, the Jets overall had their most rushes of 10 plus yards so far this season with seven. So that's a really nice situation when you get those ground yards. It's a much lower probability of having turnovers in those situations. And if you look at Ty Johnson specifically, 104 yards, most of, you know, obviously more than 100 first time this season, first time since 2018, in fact. And he had six first downs all on his own. That is a great number. Earned first downs, especially through the run game. That is a very strong indicator for success. Moving the chains, always a good thing. Certainly, you mentioned Ty Johnson, the youngster, getting his first career touchdown, which is always a cool thing for him. And they did it. You mentioned Ty Johnson. Let's not forget Josh Adams. He also chipped in with 74 yards, over nine yards a pop on the ground for Josh. And they did this with the absence of Frank Gore, the veteran, the future Hall of Famer. 
He left the second play of the game due to concussion symptoms. We hope he's ready to go here for the Seahawks game, but still, it's that next man up philosophy, and certainly those other two backs filled in more than capably. And I think both of them are, well, Ty Johnson specifically, is fantasy relevant for this week going forward if you need a fantasy running back for your playoffs. Jamison Crowder, you mentioned him. Five catches on the afternoon, a couple of touchdown grabs for him. His first touchdown since the week nine game against the New England Patriots. And you got to go all the way back to last year since he had more than one touchdown in the game. Yeah, look, the touchdown situation for any wide receiver, that's not what you want to look to for success. You want to look at the targets and you want to look at the opportunity to make the tough contested catch. You want to see when he's open. You want to see the scheme. So Jamison Crowder is a real bright spot. He's one of my favorite players to watch and track in the entire National Football League. And, you know, he and Sam Darnold, of course, have that chemistry. It's nice to see that starting to get reestablished again. You know, with Sam in and out of the lineup, Crowder was in and out of the lineup. Hopefully they can finish strong here the last four games of the season. When you look at the offense as a whole, 62 snaps. Sam Darnold, along with the trio of his offensive linemen, Connor McGovern, George Frant, Pat Elfline, all played the full 62. Makai Becton was in there for all but one snap. Unfortunately, though, Cynthia, there was a casualty in this one. Greg Van Roten, the starting right guard, he only made it through 12 snaps before he injured his foot, and he had been an Ironman all season long for this offensive line. The more continuity you can have along the O-line, the better off you are. So losing anyone on the O-line is a problem, but this is a bigger one because you know those rushing lanes. Obviously, the last game we saw good rushing, strong rushing, but it's going to be important going forward to be able to stabilize that O-line. So that was a big loss for sure. And Van Roten and not missed the snap all season long. So hopefully we'll see how that shakes out here, at least for the offensive line and hopefully for Greg, if he is able to return at any point this season. Defensively, we'll flip over to the other side of the ball. 78 snaps, five members of that defense was on it for every single snap. How about Neville Hewitt, who led the team with 12 tackles, had a sack. You know he's Mr. Reliable. Throw in Harvey Longy, Marcus May, and then the rookies there in that secondary, Bryce Hall and Lamar Jackson. And I think by and large, yes, the Raiders were able to move the ball through the air, but on the ground, that Jet defense was pretty stingy. It was. And don't look at that last play and judge any of it. That was an interesting situation, not to be repeated. I think Lamar Jackson has a bright future. He looks great, and Bryce Hall as well. So despite kind of the result of the game, really factor in the entirety of the game, and they both played really well. We know the future and the present is extremely bright for one Quinnen Williams, who, you know, we're like a broken record on this show each and every week, talking about his exploits on the field and what he does. He led the defensive line with 64 snaps on Sunday, but picked up his third sack in as many games. He's now got six on the season. Not only the personal best for him, but he's tops on the team. Yeah, since week 11, no interior defender has more pressures. And that includes that other guy that is out here in Los Angeles near me. None has more pressures or more run stops. He leads in both categories. So this is actually officially the numbers game, a Quinn and Williams production. Well, I don't know about you, Cynthia, but I'm a big believer in momentum. So much so that we are going to carry on this strong first segment and keep it going into our next segment here. When we talk about the opponent for the New York Jets, that would be the Seattle Seahawks. Don't go anywhere. We got more of the numbers game coming right up. Welcome to Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. You can bet on football, basketball, baseball, hockey, MMA, and soccer. You can even make a bet while the game is still being played. Yes, you can. But here's the best part. 
Bet365 is now available in New Jersey. Bet365, the world's favorite sports book, now in New Jersey. And welcome back into the numbers game. Dan Gross is sitting alongside my co-host, Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network. And Cynthia, right back at it for the New York Jets. They head out to Seattle to take on the 8-4 and four Seahawks, who are trying to bounce back in their own right. They suffered their first defeat at home last week to the New York Giants in kind of unconventional fashion, but this is a team tied for first place in the NFC West, so you know that they're trying to get back in the win column here. Well, I mean, it's obviously the leader of the NFC East, too, so this is a huge matchup last week. But when you look to see what Seattle does in their four losses that's different from the eight wins, it's really about pressuring Russell Wilson. In their four losses, they average allowing four and a half sacks per game. Wilson's under constant duress. This leads to turnovers. They average three per game in losses, giveaways. That's a huge difference maker when you look to see what happens in wins, where they're only allowing Russell Wilson to get sacked 2.75 times per game, which it sounds like a lot still, but it's far less than the other ways, almost like half as much as, as often. And those lead to only 0.5 giveaways per game. So it's really Seattle's offense ability to hold on to the ball because we already know their defense is super vulnerable. You mentioned the sack numbers too, right? And anytime you talk about sacks, an offensive lineman, for example, never wants to see that because they always think they always think that it's on them. But if you dive a little bit deeper and if you watch the Seattle team play, yeah, Russell Wilson has been sacked 40 times, which is the second most in the National Football League. But a lot of that is his own doing because he's so athletic. He tries to keep plays alive. He's always scrambling around. So it's not just he's dropping back three, four steps and boom, he's getting put down. It's him trying to extend plays, which also contribute to those sacks. Sure. And also when Chris Carson's not playing, there's a big difference in the ability to pick up the blitz. So when Chris Carson's playing, a kind of unsung thing about him is he's really good at identifying and picking up the blitz. That helps Russell Wilson tremendously. Without Chris Carson, that blitz becomes a lot more difficult for Russell Wilson and his athleticism to handle. And we'll talk about it a little bit later on here, but the Jets, we mentioned, very successful last week running the football. Seattle gave up 190 yards rushing in that loss to the New York Giants. But got to center on Russell Wilson here, right? He is the engine that makes that car go, of course, for the Seattle Seahawks. You think about what he's been able to do. Yes, he's a Super Bowl champion here, but not maybe the supporting cast that we're used to seeing with Russell. He's still going out there and being productive. Third in the NFL in passing yardage. Second in touchdowns with 32. As you said, yes, the sack numbers are piling up, but number three is the guy that you're going to keep an eye on, of course, anytime you're playing that Seattle team. Yeah, I mean, he's got two great receivers, but their run game has been inconsistent. Like I said, Chris Carson's very good, but he's been often injured. So you're right. The supporting cast isn't quite what we're used to necessarily with, you know, when you think about Russell Wilson and how he's had to navigate in the past. But part of the reason why those numbers are so high is because their defense is giving up all of the touchdowns, all of the passing yards, 309.8 per game. That's the most in the NFL by like 20 yards per game. And they just give up touchdowns like left and right. So that's why Russell Wilson has had to do so much. Real quickly, one of those wide receivers you mentioned, DK Metcalf, who fans good. don't know, this is a guy, you talk about a beast going out there catching the football. He's number one in receiving yardage in the NFL. But we always love talking about those contested 50-50 balls, for example. Just throw one up to him. He, more often than not, he's going to find a way to come down with it. The guy is jacked. He's built like a house. And the Seahawks are reaping the rewards. I hear he's on your same training regimen. Well, you know, I don't like to brag about those things, but... 
Yeah, it happens. Anyway, you look at Seattle, you mentioned the defense, right? And usually for the last decade, that has been their MO. That's what they won their Super Bowl with, with the Legion of Boom and, you know, that strong defense. Pete Carroll, that's his side of the football. That's his expertise. But philosophically, things have changed. It's now become an offensive-centric team. Russell Wilson, of course, leading the charge. Defensively, you mentioned, they are getting shredded through the air when it comes to trying to stop the pass. They're last in the National Football League. So the statistics, I think, are a little bit askew here because when you look at the rush defense, they're ranked fifth in the NFL. But if you are an offense and you're trying to attack this Seahawks team, Cynthia, you're going to try to throw the football a lot. And that's why those rush numbers are down because teams aren't running it as often against them. Totally. The numbers are really skewed, not because Seattle's really good at stopping the run, but because people are throwing so often that the numbers and the averages get artificially lowered. I will say they did acquire Carlos Dunlap before the trade deadline, and he has made somewhat of an impact. And of course, they took that other guy that maybe Jets fans are pretty familiar with, too, who's pretty good at generating pressure. But that's not the same type of pressure schematically as other teams when you see pressures. So it's not the Legion of Boom you're thinking where you're just going to get like crushed on every single passing down. This is an opportunity where you can target their corners, you can target all of their defensive backs, and they've been super generous. I think in fantasy, they've given up you know the most fantasy points per game to wide receivers like by a historical margin. And yes, you mentioned a guy who Jet fans are probably very familiar with, number 33, Jamal Adams, who got traded over to the Seattle Seahawks in late July. Jets get a couple first round picks and then some in return. So we'll wait to see how those play themselves out. But, you know, Jamal's been hobbled by some injuries this year, had the groin, had the shoulder. He's missed some games, still gutting it out. But he's putting up those sack numbers again, is he not? Yeah, that's kind of his game, right? He's if you want to make the analogy to the Legion of Boom, he's like the modern Cam Chancellor, right? So he's going to go up there and pound you in the mouth, and he's going to come off really quickly with the blitz. Those seven and a half sacks, yes, they are the most since, you know, a team has traded, like, since 1982. That's a crazy stat, but it's partly due to scheme, right? Because they're asking him to do that. Not necessarily a normal thing to be asked by a person of listed at his position, in other teams. So it's partly because that's his unique skill set. It's partly because it's a good Pete Carroll philosophy. It is actually, if for the Seahawks, a good fit with Jamal Adams' skill set and Pete Carroll's philosophy. So that is part of why you're seeing these big numbers. And the other part, they don't have a lot of pass rushers, right? They didn't have Carlos Dunlap until halfway through the season. All right, Cynthia, let's take a look at the schedule here for the green and white. And after the Seahawks, just three more games for the green and white. And yeah, you're pointing already because you know what happens. They're going to fly back to the East Coast, then right back out to your neck of the woods for a showdown at SoFi Stadium against Aaron Donald and those LA Rams. And sadly, you're not going to be there again, right? No, I'm going to be like, you know, sitting at home, watching through the TV, like, I'm so close. I'm so, it's a bummer that I can't go, but you know, got to be safe. We're very locked down here in California. The torture of 2020. So yes, we are down to the final four of the season for the New York Jets. We hope you enjoyed this one. We do as always. For Cynthia Freeland, I'm Dan Grassa. This has been the numbers game. Enjoy Jets football, everybody.